<laughs> I think that was part of Ernest's truth that he didn't want to see. <laughs> I think there were lots of, I think he had a lot of truths inside of him that, that he did not want to see, which was made him so troubled. I, I love the way one of the biographers of, of, of Martha Gellhorn put it, that, that Martha's mother could see, you know, the trouble in Ernest's soul. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. The new documentary from Ken Burns and Lynn Novick debuted last night on 9PBS with more chapters tonight and tomorrow. If you missed part one last night, you can also stream the series online at pbs.org. The three-part series promises to reveal the man, the myth, and the writer in the story of its titanic title subject, Ernest Hemingway. I hate the myth of Hemingway. It obscures the man. His talent is stunning. He went against the grain. It's hard to imagine a writer who hasn't been influenced by him. In order to have something new to write, he had to have something new to live. And he fell in love quite a few times. He's complex and deeply flawed, but there he is. Hemingway, the man, is much more interesting than the myth. Hemingway starts Monday, April 5th at 8, 7 central, only on PBS. And that is the promo for Hemingway, which is streaming now at PBS.org. But any telling of Ernest Hemingway's story would be incomplete without an examination of the many St. Louisans who inspired and, yes, subsidized the writer in his formative years. That subject is the focus of a monograph published last year by local historian Andrew J. Thysing. It's called Hemingway St. Louis, How St. Louisans Shaped His Life and Legacy. And joining us now to talk about it is author Andrew. Andrew J. Thysing. Andrew, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be back. So, Andrew, you write that describing Hemingway's presence in St. Louis would take only a few pages, but describing the impact of St. Louisans on his life could fill volumes. And it really was remarkable reading your book just how many St. Louisans played key roles and how many St. Louis trust funds. Were you surprised by that when you started digging into this? You know, he really did find some wealthy families in St. Louis. I was surprised at the trust funds and the the many sources of wealth. And, you know, I, I, I it reminded me just of St. Louis generally. I, I don't know that we always appreciate how much wealth was in this city. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we look at our neighborhoods, you know, like Portland Place or, you know, there, there are some cities that just have a few of those streets, but my gosh, St. Louis has whole neighborhoods of these mansion districts, yeah, and, and, he- and it shows that great wealth we had. Yeah, and Hemingway found uh, more than one wife who came from St. <laughs> Louis's uh, upper reaches there. But this all started, you make a great case that this did not start with his first wife, Hadley Richardson. This started with the Smith family. How did they first come into contact with Ernest Hemingway? You know, it was purely coincidental that, that Ernest ran into the Smiths. Uh, they, they all had been going to Michigan for the summers. Ernest was much younger than, than the Smiths. But uh, they, they all started hanging out together up there. And, um, and, and the Smith family really proved influential. Bill Smith was uh, a lifelong friend of Ernest. And, you know, he didn't have many of those lifelong friends. Ernest kind of, you know, befriended people and then sort of villainized people. Mm -hmm. And so he lost a lot of friends. But Bill Smith 
stayed through. And then his sister, Katie Smith, uh, was also a very, very prominent figure in Ernest's life. And as you say, uh, Katie Smith may have had some romantic entanglement with Hemingway. What were you able to glean about their um, early relationship there? (laughs) You know, I was really hoping I could find something that would answer this question, what was the truth of their relationship? But the reason it's unresolved is because they're, they're just is no reliable source that that you know did they have this this romantic relationship did they have this physical relationship ernest kind of hints at it in his short stories but you know was he really was he making that up was it real you know were the names changed and you know ernest kind of denied it and katie kind of denied it and you know but they also were very attracted to each other. So it was clear that there was a crush. Hmm. And this is such a side note here, but as a lover of literature, I think it's worth mentioning Katie Smith later married a different novelist. That's right. Katie Smith marries John Dos Passos, who was this other really powerful writer of, you know, uh, 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 right there at the same time of, of Hemingway. And, um, and just like Katie introduced Ernest to his first wife. Here, Ernest introduces Katie to John Dos Passos, who is his friend. Hmm. So, yeah, Katie introduces Ernest to the first wife, uh, the first of three St. Louisans that he would marry, and this is Hadley Richardson. Who was she? So Hadley was uh, Hadley was part of the Richardson family. The Richardson Drug Company was big and powerful in the day, and. Um, Hadley really was taking care of her invalid mother, and she had a terrible relationship with her parents. She had lots of sadness. If people saw the documentary last night on public television, they, mm-hmm. they, they got a glimpse of that, that, that you know, Hadley just had this sad life. She was prepared to be a spinster for the rest of her life. <laughs> and Ernest was this, this, you know, this gateway out of St. Louis, out of the, 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 the sadness in her life and onto adventure. And yes, they had some, some adventures. And honestly, it seems like Hadley found great happiness after uh, she and Ernest split up. But Hadley's family played a key role for him. How did they help to launch him as a novelist? Well, you know, Hadley's father commits suicide uh, when, when Hadley's rather young. Um, and Hadley said that she wasn't really affected by it because she didn't have a relationship with her father, hmm. even though he lived under the, the same roof. And so um, the rest of the family had these trust funds for the widow and for Hadley. And Ernest Hemingway's Paris years were enabled by the, the wealth of that trust fund. I thought it was interesting in the documentary, uh, the part that aired last night, you know, Ernest had kind of painted that there they were poor as church mouse. And Hadley said, no, they had plenty of money. Her her trust fund had it covered. That's right. Even when part of her trust fund was was stolen by a different St. Louis family, um, there was still enough money around in that family that, that really it didn't have any impact on them other than an emotional impact. Hmm. So it was through Hadley that he ended up meeting his second wife, also a St. Louis, and this is Pauline Pfeiffer. Um, people who've read A Movable Feast, she's really painted as the villain um, in that book. D- do you think from your research, is that fair? Well, I think to an extent, yes, I think it is. Um, uh, you know, she she intentionally broke up that that first marriage. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, she she wanted she wanted to be Ernest Hemingway's wife. And and so yes, I think in that sense she was a bit of of a villain in the story. And um, you know everything in in Europe, everything for Hemingway in those days, everything was done in groups. And so it was kind of easy for her and her sister Jenny to get inside those groups that Hemingway was in those circles and and pretty soon they started spending so much time together that that as the documentary showed last night eventually Ernest and Pauline kind of paired off and uh became a couple themselves. And this all worked out just fine for Ernest Hemingway because she had an even bigger trust fund than Hadley Richardson. <laughs> Where was her money coming from? Wow. So so the Pfeiffer Chemical Company, which which starts in St. Louis and, and just is wildly successful. And as it grows, it buys these out-of-town companies. And the Pfeiffers actually travel out of St. Louis. So they left St. Louis to go to Philadelphia when they bought, you know, the Warner Company, uh, Warner Pharmaceutical. And then, you know, they went from there to when they bought Hudnut, they all moved to New York. But fabulous wealth uh, mm-hmm. that's all started in St. Louis. And they had a trust fund for Hadley. And the rich uncle, he, you know, he bought them the house in Key West. And, and he, he set up a trust fund for Ernest, separate from the one for you know his his favorite niece Pauline. It just you know it pays to have a rich uncle, doesn't it? Boy, it sure does. I'm kind of questioning my choice of uncles here. I guess not that I had much say in the matter. But in your book, then history repeats itself when he meets another St. Louis and and he starts cheating on Pauline with her. Now I loved in your book the story about how he first met Martha Gellhorn. Tell us tell us what happened there. Well, Martha's father had just recently passed away. And so to get out of town and, and, and sort of, you know, have some distraction, uh, the mother and the son and the daughter, Martha, all went to Key West, Florida. And they, they run into Ernest Hemingway at, at, at a bar. He's sitting there at a bar at Sloppy Joe's in, in Key West. And, and they strike up this conversation, and you know that St. Louis had to be, you know, oh, we're visiting from St. Louis, and Ernest, you know, could say all kinds of things about St. Louis because he, he knew the city by that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so here's another St. Louis, and, and, and Ernest is just smitten with her instantly, with, with Martha, and he was supposed to go home, and, you know, they had company coming for dinner. <laughs> and and they're all sitting around the dinner table, and where's Ernest? Go get him from the bar. And <laughs> and, and this is including his wife sitting around the dinner <laughs> right. table. Where's Ernest? <laughs> right. right, 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 right. He did not make it to dinner. He did not make it to dinner, and he stayed with Martha. And Martha, even though Martha's family left, Martha stays on in Key West for a couple of weeks, and it was pretty apparent to Pauline that Ernest was, was smitten with Martha and that that this meant some trouble for her. Hmm. So Martha Gellhorn's mother, she comes through so well in your book, and she seemed to really have a lot of mutual admiration with Ernest Hemingway. They really kind of hit it off, but she still didn't want Martha to marry him. What do you think was going on there? You know, I I, I love the way one of the biographers of, of, of Martha Gellhorn put it, that, that Martha's mother could see, you know, the trouble in Ernest's soul, you know, mm. she could see that he that he had this dark side, and and 
And, you know, she said, I feel sorry for him. And Martha just erupts when hearing this. Why would you feel sorry for this, you know, this great man? And, you know, Martha put all these men in her life on pedestals. And so, you know, that mother would say, I feel sorry for him, you know, really didn't sit well with Martha. But here in the end, you know, Edna Gellhorn, she saw Ernest's truth and and she saw the just the the vicious decline that was to come. Hmm. And and in some ways, I mean Martha Gellhorn seems like such a good match for him. You say he, she was one of the only women sort of like his mother where she didn't just give in to him. She was she was a more than equal match. What led to the end of that marriage? Um Ernest once again meets <laughs> he he meets a a um he meets Mary Welsh, and and he all of a sudden is focused on Mary Welsh and is no longer interested in Martha. And, you know, Martha was this, this just wonderful, brilliant writer. She had an international reputation before she ever married Hemingway. Mm-hmm. And so really their marriage, as brief as it was, was Ernest just saw it as a competition. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, Ernest was, I think, happy to be rid of that marriage. And so he starts another affair uh, with his fourth wife, who was not from St. Louis, and uh, starts an affair with his fourth wife and, and divorces Martha in absentia, really. Hmm. So you had a great quote in this book. Um, Hemingway apparently told A.E. Hotchner, first three wives from St. Louis, only good person I know who didn't leave there was Martha Gellhorn's ma, <laughs> talking about Edna <laughs> Gellhorn, a woman he liked right. who continued to stay in St. Louis. Do you think he looked down in, on St. Louis in some ways? Um, I don't know that he looked down on St. Louis at all, but I, I think he certainly noted that, that so many people left St. Louis to find their greatness. And, uh, you know, because T.S. Eliot was his friend, and mm-hmm. so, you know, he saw T.S. Eliot leave, and, and everyone knew Tennessee Williams who left, and, and so there were lots of, he had lots of St. Louis reference points of people who left St. Louis and, and, you know, made it big elsewhere in the world. Um, but I don't know that he necessarily thought ill of St. Louis. Do you think he, he appreciated just how big a role, when you put it all together, that all these St. Louisans and St. Louis fortunes played in subsidizing his greatest books and, and many of his adventures? I think that was part of Ernest's truth that he didn't want to see. Hmm. I think there were lots of I think he had a lot of truths inside of him that that he did not want to see, which was made him so troubled. Mm-hmm. And 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 I, I really think you know the fact that he he kind of lived off his first three wives. Um, you know, he didn't really make any money as an author until he was well into his his second marriage. Hmm. Um, so so you know, Hadley bankrolled everything, and then the rich uncle. Uncle Gus paid for everything, you know, in Key West for, for, you know, until Ernest started getting his own financial legs. When he bought, when he bought the estate in Cuba, which Martha had already secured and rented, you know, her name was on the lease. When he finally bought that, that was the first time that he owned his own home. (laughs) And that was in the 1940s. Well, St. Louis launched him. He didn't want to admit it. It might not be part of his biography he would own. But boy, you do a great job of telling it in this story. So Andrew J. Thysing, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. And Andrew's book is Hemingway's St. Louis, How St. Louis Had Shaped His Life and Legacy. You can check out the book and watch the three-part series on PBS.
This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.